Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Hey, thanks for coming again. Thank you for coming tonight. We're um, on our fourth uh, teaching time in the Song of Solomon, and this is the wedding night, as uh, I told you about. It's the second part of the, of the bridal booth, the bridal room. We're gonna, here's, let me give you, for clarity's sake, I'll give you an outline of what we're going to talk about tonight. Let's finish up in the, in the rest of chapter 4 and into the first verse of chapter 5, because chapter 5 is uh, the zenith of the book itself, and that's a great place. I didn't want to leave that out. Then we're going to uh, look at uh, why there is so much power in sexual intimacy in marriage. We're going we're gonna to see how God designed things so as to cause us to need him to bring us together. And then I'm going to, we'll take a break, a little stand-up five-minute break, and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll do uh, how to be a great lover. Okay, some things the guys can learn and some of the things, uh, things the gals can learn. Does that sound like a good idea? Okay, we're here to have some fun today. Tonight, let's look at the passage itself. We're looking at uh, chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter 4, I'll, where we left off this morning, it says, uh, you are altogether beautiful, my darling, there is no flaw in you. Now, the mood here is, and this is important because this, is, this, this man is a great lover. This is his wedding night, and he knows that she's afraid. It's a, it's a scary thing to stand, you know, naked in front of another human being, especially your husband-to-be, and this is the first night. And so he understands that. We'll see this over and over again, and he's going to be calming her down. He's going to be caring for her. He's going to be thinking about her first and, and, and so as to give her dignity because he's looking, right, eye to eye. Watch how this uh, unveils. Verse 8, he says, uh, come with me, okay, from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. From uh, Descend from the crest of Ammon and the top of Shinar and the summit of Hermon, from the lion's dens and the mountain that, haunt, that are haunted by leopards. So the idea there is, if, if we knew geography, right, the northern uh, part of Israel has this mountain range, and it's a very difficult thing to experience, right? It's, if, if not for the terrain itself, but also there are lion dens, there's lion's dens there. It's a difficult place to go up to, and he's seeing that she is that, okay? He says, look, 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 I know what we're experiencing here could be a scary thing for you, but uh, it won't be. See, listen, this is his wedding night, and he's saying, it's not about me. I don't, I don't, I'm not thinking about myself. I've lost myself in you, and I want you to just be calm. And don't be afraid of this range, right, coming off, come off the mountain range. I want you to feel confident and know that I'll be gentle. Now, in the next few verses, he's going to speak about her again, and, and the word sensual comes from from the senses, right, the, the, the five senses that we have. And I want you to be, take note of this because he's going to see her and smell her and taste her. Look, look what he says in verse 9. Oh, you've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of, from your eyes, with one jewel on your necklace. He has eye contact with her and says, ah, you've, you've, you, you've taken me away, right? I love how, you know, in, I think it's in chapter 2, that uh, she is drunk or she has lost herself in her love for him. Now, right, who's lost now? I love this. And then he smells her. He says, how delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than spice. 
just like in the movie clip, right? It's the last thing I smell. It's the thing I, that reminds me of you. And then he, he tastes. He goes, oh, the lips drop sweetness as the honeycombs, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. Guys, let me just say, when you feel this way towards your wife, you should use words. You know, we say that to our children. We say, use your words, <laughs> right? And we usually say that when they're hitting each other. Use your words. I, I love how vocal he is about how he feels about her. It's a good thing to say these things out loud. And uh, ladies, when you hear those words, what did you learn today in church? What did you learn today in church? You should believe those words. Don't make him say them 20 times, but if you do, okay. And then so he's waiting for her. He's waiting for her to respond, right? And so here he goes again in verse 12, and I'll jump to verse 15. He said, your garden, your garden is locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring and a sealed fountain, right? You're contained. You are a garden fountain, a well-flowing water streaming from Lebanon. So the king's back, people of wealth, but certainly the kings back in the day, they would spend a lot of time and money on their gardens because they were so sensual in, in a positive way. They smelled beautiful. They, you, could, you could take some of the fruit and taste that. It was a beautiful thing to see. And so he's saying, you are like a garden to me. And then in poetic literature, especially in Hebrew poetic literature, uh, the garden is often referred to a, a woman sexually. And in this case, it is. He's saying, I am looking forward as I look at you, to enjoying this garden. And so, but it's locked. It says it's locked because he's saying, I won't go anywhere without permission. Right? Because he honors her and he puts himself second. He's serving her. He knows she's afraid. And so after seeing her and, and, and smelling her and tasting her and enjoying her, he waits for her to speak. <laughs> And she does. This is so, look at verse 16. Awake, north wind. This is her speaking. Awake, north wind. Come to me, south wind. Blow my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved into his garden and taste its choice fruits. She says, come and get it. Awake, north wind. Come, south wind. The north wind was a strong wind. The south wind was a gentle wind. She's saying, come to me with strength and gentleness both. That's a great, that's a, that could be a cue for the marriage bed, right? You Gals, you could say, come north wind, come south wind. Take from your, take from, look what he says, take his garden, take from your garden the choice fruits of today, right? Now, all of this is leading up to chapter 5, verse 1. Again, it's the middle of the, of the book itself, but it's also considered by many scholars as the high point of the book itself. And look, uh, look what it says after, you know, because here's the, here's the key to it, okay? 16 times, there's going to be a suffix in Hebrew. In, in Hebrew, 16 times, the word, the possessive pronoun will be used. It'll be nine times. I accentuated that on the slide. But nine times it says in English. Look what 5.1 says. I have, come into, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh and, with my spice. I have eaten from my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Now it's complete, right? What's the theme that we keep, right? I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. I belong to you and you belong to me. And now it's happened. Now every, everything you are is mine and everything I am is yours. In the New Testament, it says your body is not yours. It belongs to your mate. Your mate's body doesn't belong to them. It belongs to you. 
And this is a poetic expression of that. And the application for this is quite obvious. It's the second part of chapter 5, verse 1. Look what it says. It says, eat, friends, and drink. Drink your fill of love. Eat, friends, and drink. Drink your fill of love. One of, the, one of the aspects, certainly the clear message in Song of Solomon's, and maybe it's one of the reasons people have a difficult time teaching it, is because it, is, it's, it, it, it appears to be this reckless expression of human sexuality, but it's in the confines of marriage. And so I think in, in the history of the church and even Old Testament Hebrew, they had a difficult time with the book itself because it's, it's so explicit. But... There's two, there's two sides to fall off a horse, and we keep doing this, right, as, as, a, as a community of faith, Jewish in the Old Testament days and in the church for the last several thousand years, 2,000 years or so, right? We say, okay, sex is always bad, and then, and then when we get married, it's like, you dirty little girl, right? And there's, and there's people that bring all that kind of baggage with it. Sometimes they bring injury into it. And then the other side of the, of the horse we fall off of is sex is great all the time, and then there's consequences for that too. But it's classic. It, it, it's so within um, the consistency of God to say, listen, I'm going to build a fence. Right? The, the Ten Commandments, great example. I'm going to build a fence so that it protects you and you'll love the law. Now go nuts inside the fence. Have all the fun you want in the, in, inside the fence. Sex is like radiation, right? Radiation um, <laughs> is powerful. Uh, radiation can kill you. Radiation can save your life. Radiation, you know, if you don't, you're not supposed to play with this unless you're a doctor. If you have cancer or a tumor, a doctor's going to come in and say, let's save your life and kill this tumor with radiation. Sex, sex has the power to ruin and burn down a marriage if it's not used within the fences. And sex has the power to rebuild a marriage. Because sex, you'll see in just a few moments, but sex has this spiritual and physical ability to connect us, and to reconcile us, and it keeps life mysterious for us because there's something transcendent about it. So I think that's what uh, has led us to this point in, this, in the book of Song of Solomon, and I wanted to spend some time now to ex try to explain, um, because we're Western, right, and, and we're Americans, we need to know why this is so true. Why does sex have so much power in the context of marriage? And as we saw this morning, right, so, so that we can use that, it's part of God's plan, so that we can become right, who God wants us to become. Your mate is the primary means that God's spirit will be using to correct you and to encourage you. And sex is, magnifies that. Right? It, it, it exaggerates that. So I would say the reason sex is powerful is because God is a rascal. And God is a rascal for, in two different ways when it comes to marriage, in my opinion. God is a rascal in, in the first way in that um, in the difference between males and females, and generally speaking, all this is generally speaking, the way males and females kind of look at sex and, and perceive it and, and need it. We both, you know, males and females need this, but uh, for different reasons. Uh, men need uh, sex to connect, right? Men need sex to connect with a female, but... <laughs> Females need connection before they can find themselves open and willing to enjoy sex. And so there's, there's, there's this uh, somewhat of a standoff where, they, where we need each other. Gary Thomas puts it this way. He's one of the books that I'll recommend, and I think we use this material regularly here. But 
uh, Gary Thomas uh, talks about the physiology of this. He talks about when we do brain chemistry scans and those sorts of things, we found um, that uh, uh, females have about 10 times as much of a chemical called oxytocin. And oxytocin is this, is this loyalty bonding chemical in our, in our brains, in our physiology, right? And so that's, women have more of that. That's why they connect with each other. Uh, he'll say that's why you'll see women at Starbucks talking eye to eye. You know, you know at where I go uh, and, and work out, we kind of have a rule there. We, we don't ever make eye contact, you know? It's just, we, no, you know, it's kind of weird. So don't do that. Uh, uh, women can connect with, uh, with children quicker than men. And so sometimes, in a, at least in a physiological way, they've uh, traced this back to this level of oxytocin. And that's all true, except that a man's oxytocin level goes up to the level of a woman's level, to the level of a woman, right after sexual encounters. In other words, because of their sexual intimacy together that happened that preceded this, the men are at a, at a connecting, bonding loyalty level that the, whim, the women are at, at a normal state. And so what happens is they start bonding. A man starts bonding like he never has before. And, and quite often a man um, will talk a lot during, this, their, during sexual encounters. And, and I would encourage you to do that because you have a lot that's going on with you and you're finally getting this out. And saying these words, again, use your words. This is how I feel connected to you. I can't, I can't, I can't say this any other time because I don't have the courage to, or even the vocabulary to, to touch this. So tell her. But here's the thing. God's plan is that we need each other for this connection for sex and sex for connection. Let me, let me show you how this kind of looks graphically. Okay, This is very crude. Okay, so, so men, sex leads to connection, right? Okay, because of the oxytocin levels being accelerated. Okay? Women, on the other hand, they need connection, or connection actually leads to sex. So you can see they're kind of at odds with each other, but they're all the same ingredients. So when things go well, okay, oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry, before I go into that, yeah, before we go to well, let me just prove again. I, I read a fair amount of material going into this, and I was amazed at how many uh, of the books that I read validated and verified this about a man and his ability to live a great life when he's sexually fulfilled. Uh, uh, Kevin Lehman, uh, one of the books we'll be recommending, Kevin Lehman says in his book, uh, Sheet Music, he says, these are four of the five consequences of a sexually fulfilled man. He will do anything for you. He feels good about himself. He takes on life work with vigor and purpose. He appreciates the important things in life. Mark Gunger, we'll see a video from him in just a few minutes, and he, he's talking about some women he's met with in church, and, he, and they're complaining that his, their husbands aren't very active in the church, and they don't celebrate worship very well. And he just said, you rock their world on Saturday night, they'll come in here with their hands up Sunday morning. Okay? <laughs> Gary Thomas says this in Sacred Marriage, a, fulfilled, a sexually fulfilled man will be a better father. He will take better care of his children. He will be a better husband and be more attentive to his wife. He will be a better worker and more focused. He will better be a better Christian because of his faithful, because he'll be more faithful to spiritual disciplines. Because he's whole. And you could say the same about a woman in many respects, but look, watch how this plays itself out, okay? So if it's working in a positive context, right, where a woman feels very connected to her husband, right, because he's saying the words and he's showing her great, uh, he cherishes her, wonderful word uh, to treat women. You cherish them, right? She wants to give herself to her husband. 
And when she gives herself to her husband, her husband connects with her because he's having more sexual experiences, right? Oxytocin release, then this great things happen. And then, see, it's going to keep going. It's going to keep getting better and better and better and better. Or, right, it can work against it. See, all, sometimes all you have to do is get this thing out of kink a little bit. Sometimes go too long without connectivity or sexual experiences, and, and, it, and it, can work, it can work negatively. So there's uh, less connectivity, right? The, the, the woman feels like her husband's distant and disconnected, and so she just she doesn't want to. I mean, right? She's dressing in burlap and doing the things that make it obvious that not interested, thanks so much. And so he's deprived of that, and he's like, you know what? I, I, you know, I'll just go do something else in the garage. I'll stay at work a little longer. And that, and that causes him to become more disconnected, and that lack of even more disconnected. Now they're see, watch what's happening. Now they're, they're, they're growing apart further and further. And, and so you can see this cycle that keeps getting better and better and better or worse and worse and worse. You see how God's a rascal? There's an obvious conclusion here. Both people, the husband and the wife, once they understand this principle, they need to go into their marriage saying, I'm, I need to go into it full, 100% on my part, to be love, right, to be loving, and to be cooperative, and to be mutually, right, mutually submitting to one another. Because I, I want this to work. Both people have to come in at 100% say, I'm going to love and I'm going to have compassion for your needs. I'm going to care about you first. And then it, it, and it grows. That's, that's kind of part one about God being a rascal. The other part, one, part two about God being a rascal is the way God pairs people up. I find this very interesting. It's been my experience, and you can read about it too, that um, whatever a person's uh, sexual appetite is, their sex drive, is usually different from their mates. And, and I've seen more and more, it's, it's not like the guys have all the stuff and the girls don't and the gals don't. It's, it's, um, it's probably a 60-40 thing, not a 90-10 you know, thing. But the point is this, right? If you put on a chart that your sex drive, you know, if it's around zero or 100, uh, I think you're broken, okay? So uh, let's say normal is 75 or so, and, and, and also normal is 25, so spouse A is, where did they go? Oh, did we lose the screen? Yeah, we did. Okay, so spouse, spouse A is 75 and spouse B is 25. And so what, is, what does that mean? There's going to be conflict, right? There, gonna be, there's going to be conflict or, or conclusion number two, because God is a rascal, you can, be, you can love each other and you can be cooperative, right? Or you can be mutually submitting to one another's needs. You can be compassionate and realize, wait a minute, they have needs I don't have. And so we, we meet somewhere between 40 and 60. We, we negotiate. We have conversations. God does this to pull you back to him so that you would be supernaturally uh, charged with his love. Because you're, you've been given this great gift, this great opportunity to love your mate in a very special way like no one else can. And you have the power to change. So, you know, I mean, the, the application here is, 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 is relatively obvious, right? So whether you're, you're in a cold war that's been going on a long time or you're stuck. And, and oh, you know what, let me just say, stuck sometimes, uh, children are like the danger zone in all of this. And it's not their fault. Um, uh, fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. 
And when you have little ones running around, and then uh, that's okay, uh, that's a hard time in life until they become uh, the, uh, middle schoolers. And that's really hard, too, until they're in high school. So between uh, birth and high school, uh, those are the hard times. Um, so I've just children add so many uh, aspects to making this a very difficult thing. It's, 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 it's easy for us to become selfish and not mutually submissive, right? It's easy for us to just hunker down. It's, it's hard for us to get away. So, so the, my point in bringing that up is it's very easy to get stuck, especially when the children are around. And stuck just means uh, when you find yourself just being roommates with the person you said your vows to. When you bump in, into each other in the hallway and sometimes you go, ah, sorry. And sometimes you go, eh, you know, don't, don't touch it. Right? Okay. And sometimes, it, if, my point is, if you get stuck and you stay stuck for too long, it starts turning into a cold war. And it makes it more and more difficult to go back. But if you understand this idea that God is a rascal and he's trying to get, he's trying to motivate the guys saying, hey, hey, listen, um, you know, if you, if you want, if you want a release here, you want to experience some really joy in the, in the bedroom, maybe you should care, <laughs> you know, right, about your, about your wife and, and, you know, connect with her. And, and maybe he's whispering to the wife, hey, if you want your husband to connect with you, maybe, maybe you could do something to, to make him glad that he's married to you. Just try this. So here, here's kind of the application for this, is knowing that this, 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 uh, this cycle is the cycle of life or a cycle of death, okay? Who's going to move? If you're stuck or in a cold war, who's going to move first? Okay? That's the question, because you can get out, I guess, as soon as you choose to. And here's kind of the plan B on this, right? I mean, it's easy to say. I think uh, love and respect guy says, you know who goes first? The person who's most spiritually mature. The person who's most courageous, the person, you know, he's egging on, you know, using pride to initiate something. Not bad, okay? A little judo there, but here, part one, why don't you go first, okay? When, when some, maybe you got stuck or you've hit a dry spot in your marriage or you're in a cold war, right? Why don't you go first? B, let's just pretend you can't, okay? If you, if you are not going first but the other person does go first, don't you dare crush their initiative. Okay? Don't. You, there's a lot of different ways to say no. And there's about three or four that can, that, can, that, can start, that can move a Cold War to a nuclear war. Okay? So you can say, hey, I'm not ready yet. And the person can say, well, you know, okay, I can understand that. Is it because I don't grasp the injury that I've caused you? Or is it maybe because you're holding on to anger? You see? So... Could, could we just step back a little bit and say, are, aren't we on the same side? I think we're on the same side. So if we're on the same side, why don't we work together for, for some great stuff? Working together. You have to be very careful about saying no. Okay. Now, I'm, I want you to watch this video, and, and I'll just stay ahead of time. Uh, this is Mark Gunger. He's a very humorous guy, and sometimes uh, uh, he overstates his case. I'll just say that. But what he's saying is true. Here's a, here's a little video about saying no, and then I'll, I'll follow up on that in just one second, okay? Ladies, you cannot get so engrossed in being mommies that you forget about the sexual needs of your husband. But Johnny needs me. Johnny needs me. I'll tell you what Johnny needs. He needs a father. And if you keep it up, he's not going to have one. It's not worth it. 
And girls, you have to be really careful about rejecting your husband sexually. I don't know if you're aware of this, but for most men, as few as three or four rejections in a row, and he'll begin to shut down sexually. If you have a husband who argues with you about sex, consider yourself blessed by God. Because at least you keep it on the front table. But a lot of guys, they just shut down. I've had, I have women in conferences like this who come up to me, tears running down their faces, saying, I did that to my husband, now he won't touch me. It's not worth it. Why do you think all the jokes on TV are about the young, sexually frustrated man, but the older, sexually frustrated woman? Because she comes back to life, see? You're going to come back to where you were, but now he won't care about you anymore. He won't feel safe to be the initiator anymore. And it's going to, and you say, well, what do we do? Everything, you know, it, it rarely ever goes back to the way it was. You might have to turn into the initiator. I mean, it's not worth it. You younger ones, watch yourselves during this time. I understand you're tired. And guys, get a clue. The girl is exhausted. Give her a break. Let her rest. They just did a survey on USA Today weekend, this weekend. I don't know if you saw it. But they said, what were men's number one interests? It was uh, um, sex, uh, food, and sleep. And they surveyed women, and their top three interests were sleep, food, and sex. I mean, you're, you're being traded in for a cheeseburger, Jack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Help the girl. Let her rest. Give her a break. You want her to be a lover to you? Let her take a nap. You take the little rugrats for a while. Let them peel your brain apart. <laughs> A few things I want to highlight from the video. One is how his emphasis on mutual service to one another and stop thinking about your needs and where you are and saying, okay, what about the other person? How can I serve them? And the other thing, the reason I played the video was how he mentioned that if you get an early pattern of rejection going, it has long-term consequences on a marriage. Okay, so uh, one of the things that um, I think Gary Smalley or... Um, oh, let me see. Yeah, Gary Thomas uh, says in his, his writings, and this is powerful. He said, the person, remember we had that chart from, you know, 25 to 75, the sexual needs, right, sexual desires. He said the person with the lowest, the lower of the two sexual desires has all the power in the relationship. Because it would be like them, it would be easy for them to say no. The, the, the power comes from the person who says no. And the person has a 25, it's, as opposed to the person with 75, it's easier for them to go, eh. But then he warns, he says, listen, you need to understand that's an absolute power because that's an absolute no. It's, it, it's not a no like, hey, uh, you know, do you want to go watch The Incredibles or something? And no, I want to watch The Avengers instead. You know, it's, 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 hey, do you want to go get a hamburger? No, let's go eat Chinese instead. It is, hey, can we spend some time together? No, never. I mean, there's no place you can go now. When you say no to your partner, it is an absolute no that stops them from any other options. And so Gary Thomas says, look, if it's an absolute power, be careful because power, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And then you look at the Bible, he turns to the passages in the Bible and says, what does God use with power? If you have, if you have the 25, he, I think he's what he's saying, if you're, have, if you're the person at 25, male or female, then you have this power. Use that like the Bible says power is used to serve. 
right, to wash Judas's feet, right? Every time power is used, whether he's talking about a king or an employer or any kind of context of power, he says, use that to serve them. That's, you have the ability to go on bended knee and, 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 and love them and bless them and care for them. So, we're going to take a break in just a few minutes, but I want to end this with this. Is, uh, first of all, understanding that God made us to enjoy sex. He's, he's a rascal, and he's kind of confounded us in, in the male-female about, you know, sex causes a man to connect, and, and connection causes a woman to desire to give herself to a man, and this can continue, you know, like grow stronger and stronger, more blessings upon you, or if you're not careful, or if you're a bully, you can cause this thing to disintegrate pretty quickly. And so he I think the lesson is, you know, this, that's, that's why it happens. The lesson is to call us back to holiness and to say, how do we serve? What does discipleship mean? Don't go to another Bible study. Please don't study what the Greek means in, a, in Philippians or Ephesians on how to be a husband or wife, please. Right? This is what it means. This is what it means to love your mate. Okay? This, this is how you do it. If you're not doing this, you're not doing the Bible. Okay? Okay, that's how, that's how Christianity works. Okay, it's not about how much you know. It's how much you're applying and how you're pursuing this idealized who you are meant to be as Adam or as Eve. All right? Tell you what, um, let's do a little stand-up break, okay? Just like three to five minutes. That's all, okay? Just do a little hokey pokey. If you come back, I mean, that's what it's all about, okay? So... <laughs> That's true, okay? So if you come back, here's what you get, okay? I want to I go over uh, the handout that you were given t- tonight, and I want to go over those books for you to maybe give you an idea of what you're getting into if you were to go purchase uh, one of those books or, or more of them. I want to I tell you about how. I'm going to tell the guys five things they need to know about how to be a great lover for their wives, and I want to tell the gals three simple things to rock a man's world, okay? See you in five minutes. The music tonight comes with a small glass of wine and a little table in the corner, don't you think? <laughs> Boy, I love that. Okay, listen. Okay, here it is. This is, this is the magic, okay? Get out your notes. This. Go home a hero, all right? Oh, wait, I have to have some books to recommend, okay? Because um, oh, I was raised as a, a, a very, <laughs> a very uh, tight a Catholic boy raised by nuns. So some of this makes me uncomfortable, honestly. And so I'm going to delegate some of the details. And so on your brochure that you received tonight, I, want, I wanted to point out a few things, right? The first one is uh, the book called Sexual Intimacy and Marriage. That's one we've been giving out to pre-marriage and I think some marriage uh, for, boy, almost more than 10 years, maybe 15 years now. This is written by, doc, whose name is Dr. Bill and uh, uh, Sarah Glan. They both graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, Dr. Bill, uh, his specialty is OBGYN, specializing in medical ethics and in infertility. And so he's going to do all the biology part and that sort of thing. And she's uh, an editor and comment, uh, commentator for Insight for Living, if you're familiar with Chuck Swindoll's uh, ministry and adjunct um, um, visiting or whatever professor. Not really professor, that's a title, but you get a lecturer at Dallas Seminary. They, they combine, it's, it's easy to read, a fair amount of good humor in there. It is uh, comfortable, okay? It's, it's, it's biological and psychological both. If you're over 50 and shy, that's where you want to start, 
it's, it's also very tactical. There's, there's some, uh, you know, wedding night sort of things and, and all that. The next one I want to bring up is Sheet Music by uh, Kevin Lehman. You might know that name. He's been on the Today Show and Oprah and, and uh, Regis, what's that, Live with Regis Philbin, right? That sort of thing. So he, he does that, but he's, he's a devoted uh, Christian. This might make you blush if you're over 50. If you're under 40, I don't know if you know how to blush. We were raised uh, dur- during different times. And uh, uh, this book, he's written 27 books, and he said this was the one that caused him the most trepidation because, I mean, it's a play-by-play thing. He's got one chapter on positions where he goes into great detail about that sort of thing. We're not talking about that tonight. So (laughs) this is a book that I'm buying as a Mother's Day gift for my wife. So nothing says Mother's Day like sheet music, okay? Uh, lifelong, a lifelong log. I've mentioned him, his name before, Gary Thomas. He is, he's a gentleman from uh, Houston, in the Houston area. I tried to get him to come during my sabbatical, and he was just booked. I like him a lot. He is very well read, reads the classics and church, or not church history, but history and church history together. But he doesn't, he doesn't overdo it, so he's not quoting all these people. What's happened is it's, it's, you can tell it's changed the way he thinks. And so he's not surprised by trends. He's seen this before multiple. So he's, he's, he's deep in his understanding of, of, of humanness and marriage, those sorts of things. So whatever he writes, I, I generally like picking up. He's written a couple books on intimacy and, and sexual issues. And this one is just on lifelong marriage. He's a good name to know, Gary Thomas. And then finally, let me again uh, advertise, re-engage one of our stronger ministries when it comes to marriage ministries. It's a great opportunity for you to go. If you're in a, if you're in a, a midweek study, right, one of our life groups, just take the whole life group, you know. Or if you, if you go, you can meet a group of people, and that could become your life group. It's a, a, a great expression of marriage discipleship. Nothing is going to get you to trust God in the, in the little parts of your life quite like your marriage. Because it, it exposes everything, right? Well, I mean, we can put on a face here or maybe at work or in the neighborhood, but boy, in the living room and in the bedroom, it's especially difficult. So what would happen if the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that indwells our souls entered into that aspect of our lives? Wow, could happen. And some neat things could, could take place. What, what, what re-engage does is it acknowledges this fact that God's gift to you to make you more like Adam or Eve is your mate. Now, let's find some Bible passages specifically designed so that you might submit to his will and enjoy the blessings he has for you in this life and in the next. Pretty, that's a, right? That's a great philosophy of, of ministry. It's a good a slab to build upon. So those are some helpful resources. I hope that you would consider uh, getting those. You might consider getting all of them. All right. So today, we're go- tonight, we're going to look at, okay, how to be a, a greater lover. We have just a few minutes. It won't take too long. How to be a better lover. We're going to look at uh, how to help the gals and how to help the guys because the single biggest problem, generally speaking, and you'll see this in almost every book that you'll pick up, is that men and women are built differently with different needs, and we generally, almost like most of our conversations, we expect the other person to be like us, <laughs> And, but they don't respond like us, and so we think they're broken. And maybe we ought to learn their language instead of, you know, right when you go to a foreign country, I'll just yell louder, and that will make a lot of difference, right? 
And that's usually what happens in, in marriages, especially in the issue of intimacy. I'll just be louder, and maybe that will help. And it's, it's, that's not how it goes. So let's look at uh, what men need to know about women. Okay, five things men need to know about women to be a great lover. The first, or I'm going to work my way down, top five. Okay, five is, is romance. Women need romance. Okay, they need tenderness, thoughtfulness. They need all day long. You know, what, what is the hard thing in their life? Do, do something to help that. Right? I mean, the, the Song of Solomon is a beautiful book in that context because uh, the male in the story, let's pretend it's Solomon, he cares for her soul. He is, he's, he's playing her music, isn't he? Phil Hybels, he's a pastor in Chicago, tells a wonderful story about how he, when he used to come home every day, he would, he would stop by this uh, roadside vendor and buy his wife a rose. They were, I think, a dollar or something like that. And he would come home and he'd give them to his wife. And he, he did that for like 30 days in a row. And, you know, he was kind of expecting, right, kind of to get his, light, his life lit up by this woman because of, because of all that he had done for her, 30 roses, right, in 30 days. And, of course, things didn't work out as he'd planned. And so they used vocabulary words. They talked to each other. And he said, well, what's the thing? You know, I got you some roses every day. And he, she said, look, Bill, I drive by that same guy you do. They're a buck. They're last week's roses. It doesn't say you're thoughtful. It says you're, you're Dutch. You know, it says you're cheap. And if I wanted one of those roses, I'd get one. You want to you you prove to me, you want to say to me that I mean something? Go spend, go spend your $31 and get some real roses and bring them home. Okay, that's a great story of how to fail, I guess, in so many different ways. But it was, it was him trying to communicate that he likes her in a way that he, that he thinks would count. And that's not what we're after. See, romance is, is caring enough not to play a game but to enjoy. Um, uh, it's, 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 in church, it's the difference between a spirit of the law and the letter of the law, where we're just learning all the rules instead of enjoying the person of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's saying, I'm going to get to know you well enough to predict your next desire or your next need or your next sentence and care for you that way. And when that happens, you often don't need to buy roses anymore because the woman knows she's being, here's the word again, cherished. And since connection is first that leads to sexual intimacy, romance is what gets it going. So number five is romance. Number four is, is a, a woman needs to be warmed up. Gary Smalley says, men are microwaves, you know, women are crockpots, Right? Ding! <laughs> Two minutes. It's already hot. Wow. I could have done that in 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, that's not how women work. And uh, so it's the, the title of the book. I've never read it, but uh, Sex Starts in the Kitchen. Great title. I used to think when I was younger, it's like, <laughs> yeah, right there on the table. No. No. At the sink. Really at the sink. No. Washing the dishes is where it starts. It's, it's, it, it's a long warm-up. And here, here's something I thought would be helpful. Here's another video bar, from uh, Mark Gunger uh, just about the difference between desire, right, and, and, and our sexual arousals. Okay? Why don't you play that video real quick? It is your job to be a lover 
to the girl. And I'll tell you what, this whole desire thing really has a lot of couples stressed out uh, because we've always heard, uh, you know, all of our lives and all the books and all the sex education, this is how it works. You know, desire leads to arousal, which leads to sex. Right? We've all heard that. Great. Only one problem with that. It's not true for millions of people, particularly women. Or some guys. This works for them too. And, and they really struggle because they, you know, I'm a man, I should be this way. But a lot of people, they're not. A lot of women exhibit little to no desire at all. And then they feel badly about themselves because they think, well, I should. I should. Who told you you should? Some stupid textbook? Who cares? I have discovered, asking couples and, and interviewing them, that, you know, this whole desire thing. A lot of guys, yeah, she's, she's just not ever interested in sex. She doesn't want to have sex. And I, I said, really? I said, well, let me ask you a question. Will she have sex with you? Well, yeah. Well, what's she like when, when she does? Oh, she's incredible. <laughs> she's incre in fact, I've actually come to the point, I don't have any data to support this, but just, uh, you know, from, from, from the couples I've talked to, but I've come to believe that some of the most sexual people on the planet exhibit little to no desire at all up front. In fact, a lot of women who are incredible sexual animals are only feel like, who only feel like doing it when they're doing it. They don't lead with this big desire thing in front. Now stop and think how that changes your view of yourself. Because right now, if you think, well, gee, I never feel that much, there's something wrong with me, and then you develop a negative attitude about sex. See? And a lot of guys get angry at their wives because well, she never initiates it. She never, she never wants, well, who cares? <laughs> who cares? I promise you, in my house, I am the initiator. I am the initiator. <laughs> I will initiate. And then I'll be back. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? This has really got a lot of people messed up. I'm telling you, a lot of women, this it's just not there until you start waking it in her. Okay? So you've got to learn to be a lover to the girl. Learn how to awaken the desire that is in her. Hope that was helpful, right? It's easy to project, you know, our own economy on someone else and our own values and say, oh, they must not. I found that to be a very helpful thing to stumble across. I hope it helps you in your relationship. So that's warm up, right? We romance warm up. Third one is go slow. She needs time. Okay, there, there are three bikini parts on a woman. Okay? Let's, okay, four. The back, back part of that bikini. Did you know that there are other parts on a woman? There are. There are. Touch those first. Touch those a lot first. As a matter of fact, if you go into it like you're not going to end, you know, with intercourse, you're probably going to do better than if you are watching the clock. It's been 97 seconds. What, why are we still doing this? Go, go slow. And, and guys, um, 
you'd have to be a newlywed to not know that there are no formulas. There are no formulas. She's not a combination lock that you worked yesterday and it and it's not going to work today. That's how, look, look at this video. This picture's worth a thousand words, okay? How to turn on a guy for how to turn on a girl. Right? So, right, I mean, you, there's, there's issues of barometric pressure and where Saturn is compared to Venus and all sorts of other things, whether the hot water was working. So just like, go, you know, it's jazz, okay? Just go with it. Take your time, okay? So there's romancers, slow down. What was the, yeah, warm up, slow down, take your time. The, the, the second thing, needs privacy, huge, huge for women, need privacy, especially if they're children in the house privacy, because this has to do with safety. This has to do with vulnerability. A woman, it's an emotional thing, and they, they need to feel like they're not going to, quote, get caught. Look, the entire, the entire industry of bed and breakfasts are built on this principle. If you get away, you're probably going to have a lot more fun. And so whatever, especially, again, the danger zone is children, if you can do whatever you need to do to provide your wife, a woman requires privacy. It's a great thing because they can relax. They can enjoy. So, you know, you team up with somebody in your life group, right? Or you find somebody at church that you trust and you say, how about uh, once a month our kids slumber party at your house and then the, maybe the odd week your kids can slumber party at our house, don't call no matter what. You know what? We'll give you legal rights to them. Don't call us. Don't touch. Don't just, we're take, don't get nervous. All right. So privacy. And last and final and the most important one is meaningful connection, right? Like we've been studying this whole time, right? Commitment, right? It, it leads to trust and trust leads to safety. It's a relationship, right? It's a conversation. Look what's happening between these two. The man is leading in this section on intimacy. He's doing the talking. He's staring into her. She knows his soul. He knows her soul. I am my beloved. My beloved is mine. It's, it, you know, the, the fifth and the first, it is, it is romance and connection. Meaningful connection. And over the years, right, that's the best part. That's the best part. That's the best part. It's over the years. A gal that um, is, is uh, cautious and nervous and that sort of thing, over the years, she's just going to get more and more open and blooming and enjoy, right? right? I mean, how do you eat ice cream? Do you eat, do you eat a half a gallon in one sitting? Please don't, right? I mean, <laughs> enjoy it. How long are you planning on being married? You know, 20, 40, 50 years? You don't have to do it all in the first two weeks, Right? Enjoy. Enjoy the trip, right? Enjoy the experiment. So that five things I think a lot of guys would uh, enjoy knowing about women. Here's four, three things that women need to know about men, okay? Three things, and I'm going to go, you know, one, two, three on this one. And uh, I want to, do you remember the light switch? Okay, that leads us to our first one. Men are easy, okay? <laughs> men are easily pleased. They really are. Don't, if, if you're, if you don't... <laughs> Remember where I talked about love and cooperation and mutual submission and compassion? This is where all those come in. Okay, don't try to fix us. Don't try to make us women. Know this to be true, okay? We're pretty easy to please. We're visually stimulated. We love, we love seeing stuff. We love seeing you a lot. 
a lot. Like what, like what you wear for like what you wear to bed. I love Tommy Nelson does a thing on his thing on Song of Solomon. Is you know, if you're wearing that special nightgown that your mother gave you to bed, that she received from her mother, that she got from Latvia. Maybe that's, it might be comfortable, but maybe that's not the best thing to, to bring to bed. Here's, here's what most men have brought you here to hear in some respects, okay? That if you're going to be married, let me just do the math. If you're going to be married 40 years, that's about 10,000 nights. 9,800 of those nights, he wants you to sleep naked with him. The other 200 nights, you can do whatever you want. Okay? But... You, you, should, you should try to figure out some way, and if you have children, you could wear that burqa or whatever that you got from your <laughs> mother, and you can just, if it's one of those dresses, you just pull it up to your armpits, and if you have to jump out of bed and grab a kid, it just falls to the floor and you're off and running, but in the meantime, you're mostly naked. We like naked. As a matter of fact, take that thing off and pirouette then you can get into bed. That's it. Sweet dreams. Six to eight hours of nothing but happy thoughts, no matter what happens. This is the last, you usually dream about the last thing you see, okay? And that's, that's what I'm talking about. Look, let me, can I, okay, let me just go to the Bible. Can I go to a Bible, and I'm going to show you something in the Bible. We're going to cut it apart, and we're going to see how to apply it in our lives, all right? Here's a proverb, chapter, chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Be intoxicated with the wife of youth. Let let her breast satisfy you at all times. Just leave that up there, okay? Be intoxicated with the wife of your youth. He's, man, it's a classic song of Solomon. Get drunk on her beauty. You know, you're the only person she, that a man gets to see naked, naked and unashamed. You're the person. You are the gold standard for what beauty is, okay? And he has a license to view this. And so it says there, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Okay, let's look at that. Whose breasts, quiz, you gals, whose breasts are the most satisfying in the entire world? Think of it in your head. Do you have the answer? You know who the person is? Whose breasts are the most satisfying in the whole world? Yours are. Yours are. Because they belong to him. And so you need to say, say in your head, my breast, you remember most beautiful girl in the world? You need to say this in your head. Say this in your head. I have the most satisfying breasts in the world. Say it in your head right now. Do you, did you say it? Okay, say it out loud now. Ready? Everybody. I have, no. <laughs> That'd be a great day at church, wouldn't it? Huh? Okay, homework assignment. You're going to say this to him tonight. And he's going to say, oh, yes, you do. You have the most satisfying breasts in the world. But that's only half the verse. Let her breast satisfy you. What does it say? At all times. At all, you know what at all times means? All day long. All day long. You know what they say? If he's seen him once, he's going to want to see him all the time. Okay, could you just try? Just Think, just try this out, okay? The guy's out in the backyard. It's hot August. It's in the middle, you know, he's mowing the yard or something. You just go in the back, maybe the back bedroom or the back bathroom, and just put on your jeans, just your jeans, okay? And when he comes by mowing the lawn, just tap on the glass and wave at him. <laughs> and watch him mow right into that fence. It would be so much fun, wouldn't it? Right? 
Hey, she said, well, what took you so long, honey? Well, I forgot to turn and I just mowed the neighbor's yard and the neighbor's, neighbor's yard. But man, I love yard work. I, look, look, uh, okay, I got this. Okay, men uh, are forgetful and they're terrible at chores. But what if you said something like, uh, change the light bulb and bring the girls out? He's going to get right on that. Okay? Now I remember to change the light bulb because now I have a visual reminder to change light. I've got a friend of mine that he travels a bunch. He's with one of these companies. He's always going to the airport. And sometimes when he goes for a long time, he has his wife bring him to the airport. He hates traveling. And the way she picks him up is she picks him up and she, and she won't ever wear a bra. And listen, a guy, a, a husband knows when, uh, when, you, when you're like armored, okay, and when you're not. And the first time he got picked up, he said, oh, this is now a tradition. This is now a tradition. I mean, he tinted windows, and his windows are rolled up, but he's screaming down the highway, my wife is not wearing a bra right now. How was your trip? I don't remember a trip, but right now I'm happy because you, all, all times. Whenever he goes to Houston, there's two ways to go to Houston, he goes by the airport. Because in the fine print, it says, whenever we go by the airport, you can't wear a bra. He's had her take her bra off two or three times on his way back from the airport. It's a, fu- it's a fun way to live. We're easily pleased, okay? So uh, could, you, could, you, could you just enjoy a man's visual enjoyment of you? I know it, it could take you 10 years to figure this out or 20. You could just take my word for this. Have fun. You're going to get a lot of stuff gun. It's, it's going to be hot. I mean, the guy's going to be walking around with a smirk most of the time. Just show him the girls. Spontaneously. Whenever you sneak up on him and boom. Just boom. And just watch him run into stuff. It's a, it is a great way to live. It is a great way to live. Okay, so, okay. There is, we're easy to please. Second of all, I want you to hear this. Uh, we go crazy. Men go crazy, and it's not our fault. Okay? Men go crazy, and it's not our fault. Mammals right, are, are very delicate beakers of chemicals. And, and boy, I, I, I mean, we're just so fragile when it comes to our chemical makeup. And so sometimes uh, testosterone production, it spikes twice a month. We, we can verify that. I mean, you can read books about it. Uh, sometimes the pituitary gland kind of goes nuts or stress incites this, but something happens to us. And, and, and it's like, you know, open the gates. Just open the, and the testosterone rules our lives, and, it's, and it makes its way to our brain, and then it holds our brain hostage, and it says, no thought is leaving this brain. Not a full thought. I'll let you start a sentence, but you're not going to finish one. And, and, and it's not our fault, okay? And there, you, can, you can interview women, postmenopausal women that are on hormone therapy, and sometimes they'll give these gals testosterone, and they'll go, what? This is the way you people live? I mean, I either want to, you know, invade Poland or populate all of Rhode Island. That's what, it's not our fault. But look, let me just, let me, I'm going to, you know, let me tell you how to help you with this. Okay. So when your husband, you're just trying to polish the crystal or something, right? You're, and, and he's bumping up against you, you know, or grabbing things or distracting you. And he's just trying to get some work done too, but he can't, right? Okay. If you... If I had to put a, paint a picture of male versus female, I would say what we learned, what men could learn, is that women love, uh, you know, like a nine-course meal, right, with, with the candlelights and everything's chosen and it takes a long time to get through this. But guys, they can live with fast food sometimes, okay? And so sometimes, sometimes 
you know, when your brain is taken over by these chemicals and he says, you know, uh, nothing's going to happen until, you know, I, I meet my, my demands are met, sometimes you can just slap the guy and say, look, let's go take care of this, okay? And in the time it takes you, it's, it's a fast food thing, in the time it takes you to uh, order in the face of that clown and get to the pickup window, and we're talking about, I don't know, like three minutes maybe, right? You're done and back polishing your crystal. And he'll leave you alone, and he can get back to work. And you know what you call that meal? A happy meal. <laughs> you call that a happy meal. We're not all that complicated, okay? We're not. Easy to please, all right? Uh, crazy sometimes. The third thing is, is you have great power, and with great power comes great responsibility, and I'm not kidding around. That whole connective thing, the oxytocin, all that, you, you own us. You own us in these moments, and you, you, can, you can enjoy that. We love that. We love that you would have that kind of power on us. And we, 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 I guess we love the mutual exchange of, of uh, equality. And, and you, again, I feel, like, uh, I feel like there's many ways. There's, type, there's marriages where the, the women are not going to play the game and, and it's always going to be romantic, and, this, and, this, and, there's, and it's not fun, it's serious. And then there's women over here uh, that say, yeah, <laughs> got the girls out all the time. They're, they're playing the guy like she wants, and, and it, there's mutual respect going on. But here's the thing. They're compassionate. They understand, right? They're, they understand what a, a guy's like. There's mutually submission. They're cooperating. This is the way she's loving him. This person over here, you know, they're having fun. That's what happens. And this person over here looks at over them and says, yeah, they, they do all kinds of stuff together. Yeah, and it's fun. And this person over, I'm just saying, you can enjoy this power. You, you, can, you, can, you can make a lot of things go right, okay? And a lot of things that go right could go right for you. And I could speak for a lot of guys in here, that's okay with us. It's okay if you get your way. If, if there's mutual respect, Eye to eye, it's not manipulative, it's fun. Okay, watch, watch this video. I was listening to uh, Dr. John Gray talk along these lines. He's, uh, he's the guy who wrote that book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Really a brilliant guy. And uh, he uh, was, was telling the story of how his wife came up to him and said, John, take me to the opera. And he said, I don't go to the opera. I hate stupid opera. <laughs> dress up like a penguin and go out there. And, uh, <laughs> and right there, a lot of you girls would have just went, <laughs> I think I'll eat worms and die. <laughs> she didn't. She knew about this stuff. She just asked him again later. Hey, John. Yeah? Take me to the opera. No. John. Yeah? Take me to the opera. <laughs> okay. So now she's a happy girl. Now he's all dressed up like a penguin, <laughs> taking her to the opera, and right there a lot of girls would go, where's my stupid husband to take me to the opera? <laughs> you got such an... I tell, seriously, a lot of you girls, you, you envy other women's husbands because they're always doing things, but you don't understand. Women who get their husbands doing this stuff know exactly what I'm talking about. They do this all the time. You sit out with your heart broken because you won't do these things. You think he should just cosmically do them on his own. I mean, 
Somewhere in a rainbow. So he takes her to the opera, endures this mind-numbing experience. On the way home, she's holding his hand, just lit up. And, and uh, he says, when we, when we got home, I, and I pulled into the garage, as soon as the garage door closed, she reached over and grabbed me and made love to me right in the car in the garage. I assume they weren't driving a subcompact. <laughs> you figure it out. But anyway. So anyway, the, the next morning he gets up early and... Uh, Yeah, yeah, I was wondering, uh, how much are season tickets to the opera? There's a way for everybody to win. God is a rascal. He is a rascal. He has designed us to need each other and to need him to cause us to have the power to serve to put ourselves second or fifth or whatever it might be so we don't consider ourselves as, as important as we should so that we might love our mate. And we would be the primary means that the Spirit would use to correct and to encourage our mate, to bring them to completion, to bring them, right, to maturity. The sex in marriage magnifies the power of discipleship change because it allows us to net, to connect Right, to reconcile and brings mystery into our everyday life. So, so let's, let's, let's commit to that, right? To love and cooperation and mutual submission and compassion towards one another. Hear this and obey it. I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink. Drink your fill of love. That's a good Bible passage. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us apply this to our lives. The part that we need to apply, how we should care and understand and serve our mate that we might enjoy our lives in this life and the next. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. We should meet more on Sunday night. <laughs> this is fun. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.